Hey there, welcome to the Best Practice Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Fennessy, and I'm joined by Master Anna Planner Donna Schumar. During this podcast journey, we hope to explore high-level Anaplan modeling concepts and connect you, the listener, with the expert Anaplanners that are at the forefront of the platform's innovation. Stay tuned for thought-provoking conversations with our amazing guests. We plan to feature guests that span multiple industries, such as retail, finance, supply chain, sales, and many others, as well as bringing in pioneers in advanced data modeling and data integrations. Our goal is to provide our audience with as much free knowledge, value, and insights into the ecosystem. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Best Practice Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Fennessy. I'm joined by Master Anna Planner Donna Schumar, and we also have a special guest with us today, Matt Budd. How are you doing, Matt? Doing great. Thanks, Zach. Absolutely. Uh, Matt, give us a little bit of a background. Uh, uh, what, wh- where do you come from? Uh, what brought you to Anaplan in the first place and uh, any other kind of tools and, and expertise you have? Happy to do that. And thanks for having us, having me on this. Um, so let's go all the way back. I initially kind of got started in accounting thinking like that was a great idea, right? And I kind of a math mind um, and I thought accounting was going to be my my choice. So I got ended up getting a bachelor's in accounting, an MBA, and a CPA license. And I kind of learned that I didn't really like that sort of business stuff, right? I, I was more interested in planning business stuff and more strategic part of the business. So I moved into FP&A and then um, started doing planning in Excel almost exclusively. And right out of the gate, I just like really could not handle that, right? <laughs> and before then, I had done a lot of programming. So I, I really wanted to automate it. So I looked at every direction I could to try to automate it and then ended up um, coming across. Initially, it was uh, adaptive planning um, as kind of my first exposure and then Hyperion almost simultaneously. And that's kind of where I learned about the EPM industry and kind of I held on tight because I, I was very much a data guy um, and tried to implement it everywhere I went. So I, I used Hyperion and adaptive. And then I implemented, I got a VP of finance job and then I implemented adaptive planning there. After that position, I took a CFO role at a a school where I then implemented uh, Planful because I kind of was, there's some parts I didn't like about adaptive. And so I thought Planful is going to be the the best, right? Um, And it was good. It actually solved a lot of problems at the time. Um, But that was also, I didn't know anything about anything beyond Planful, that kind of paradigm, which is completely different than Anaplan. And then um, ended up joining an implementation team doing um, Planful because I just like decided I was more of a tech guy, right? I had done data warehousing just as a hobby, programming as a hobby. And I just, that was my passion. Ended up doing about 25 Planful implementations. And I kind of ended up making a list of things I wish a software had. And it was just, these are the things I want to see. And I just started looking around and seeing what I could find and uh, came across Anaplan and it ticked off most of the boxes. Uh, so then I, I investigated, joined consulting firms, and then I've been at a few and now now currently independent. So that's kind of the the whole history. Yeah, that's, uh, that's obviously quite the... Um robust background before coming to Anaplan a little bit of the jack of all trades would you say <laughs> yeah yeah when you came into Anaplan did you specialize specifically in 
um, a specific use case? Did you tackle it that way using your accounting background? Uh, was there anything that you kind of gravitated towards in, in that in that way? Yeah, absolutely. So initially, being a um, kind of FP&A individual, uh, that, that was my initial kind of use case that I wanted to get involved with. I was very comfortable with it. I had really developed a lot of systems in FP&A and kind of understood the operational side very well um, and the technology side. So it worked really well for me. But also ha being a small business CFO, I understood a lot of the operations. So I was able to kind of cross those borders a little bit and uh, get involved in other use cases as well. So now you're, you've gone independent. My understanding is that now you're kind of using utilizing all of those skills and doing more end to end tra uh, transformations. Is that correct? Correct. So um, I I love the Anaplan world and the the EPM world. I love analytics in general and data. But being in Anaplan, you kind of start seeing it general industry issues that are cross technology, right? So not just cross functional. I mean, we all know there's a lot of cross functional issues. Um, but there's also cross technology issues. And so I used my, my back by history in some data warehousing and integration stuff. And I've, I've kind of been more of a jack of all trades, right? Instead of so much pigeonholed in just EPM. Because I feel like there's a lot of end-to-end -end, uh, solutions that can be kind of built that uh, as just an EPM practitioner, you don't... Uh, you don't get to address, right? You're kind of just receiving the the negative parts of what's been built before and trying to make it work. So kind of expanding on that, uh, where would you say that Anaplan kind of fits into that, into a company's transformation suite? Like, how would you describe that? Yeah, you know, I've thought a lot about this. In fact, I've written down tons of like article ideas that I never have time to write. <laughs> but I've, uh, around this exact topic. So I think there's, this is uh, kind of interesting, to, in my opinion. So if you look at like a typical business IT strategy, right, they're going to have, you know, data warehousing, they might have some uh, data, data engineering strategies, or and then they'll get to visualization. And, they'll be like, and typically, they kind of end there, right? They're like, okay. And then that finance says, oh, yeah, we need some like forecasting. So they, they'll tag on like Hyperion or TM1 and say, okay, that's our strategy. But I find there is the e, e, where Anaplan sits in the tech strategy in data, data kind of data analytics is a big gaping hole in like everyone's strategy, right? They kind of look over it and don't see this area that just needs to be filled with better technology because no one talks about it because it's all living in Excel, every, all throughout the organization, not just in FPNA, in everything you're doing. And it's just living in Excel. And so like the IT guys, it just goes unnoticed, right? Um, and so, the, or they don't know that there's potential solutions for these, these processes. So Anaplan really just fits anytime you're dealing with Excel, basically. And then especially when you start dealing with performance management of where you're taking a, a maybe something you've put in a dashboard, like some sort of activity that drives an operational Excellence, right? And then you have a goal to that. This is where Anaplan really excels. And there's still a lot of use cases I've seen that are not being done in Anaplan just because there's not, there's just not enough time and people and vision to get them all done. There's just, it's endless um, opportunity there. 
when you're kind of embarking on these data transformation projects, how do you even go about making that kind of pitch to a customer? Like, how do you convince them? Like, oh, you need to completely overhaul your entire data transformation and your data strategy. <laughs> yeah, and I, recently I've kind of been going through some of that. So I, I'll tell you, the easiest thing to sell in the world is not Anaplan. And you guys all know, Anaplan can be hard to sell. But in my opinion, it's one of the most valuable tools you can have in your data transformation strategy, right, of an organization. But it's also just like gets ignored, right? So one way I think that really works is going in there and selling the typical data warehousing and visualization, right? And then because everyone's willing to pay millions for this, like they do, and then they have that big gaping hole of planning. So then it kind of leads easily into Anaplan. Your data is already cleansed and ready to go. So you kind of take the angle of like, you want to first like organize the data, clean the data, prep the data. You kind of are like, okay, once you have that foundation built, you can kind of slide Anaplan into that kind of discussion then at that point. Yeah, I think, and it's always framing. I'm always talking about it, right? Like, Hey, this 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 part of the business needs to be served this way, right? And it comes up almost in every aspect. So the cool thing with data warehousing is you're cross-functional, right? So you're, you're warehousing ha um, headcount data, you're wearing operational data, financial data, and you're talking to the different heads and you're like, you know, it would work great here. And then you start getting this consensus, right? Um, and then it really starts to play. Like uh, I, I ended up selling Anaplan on this project it was really easy, right? Because they were able to see the vision because it was talked to multiple times in different areas. Well, do you think part of that too is warehousing kind of inherently brings the right people to the table all together? Like, is that kind of your kind of sneaky advantage you have there? Well, you definitely get, you get the right people involved, right? They're not necessarily the, always on the project team, but they definitely get involved because you're, you're still looking at process. As mu and if you're doing a good data warehouse project, you're still looking at process. And some guys will just look at data and that's where data warehouses fail because it's not about data. It, I mean, it is about data, but data is not the reason why you're doing it, right? You're doing it for improving business process and, and uh, insight. I mean, as you're explaining it, I feel like you're selling me, <laughs> convincing me already, you know, so I can already kind of see where, where the client can be like, oh, this guy might have a point here. <laughs> yeah, I mean... The, the challenge we run into, and this is this is not just data warehouse, this is across analytics, is it really requires a lot of business knowledge and cross-functional collaboration. But that is exactly what is missing in most projects. And you guys see that when you're selling out a plan, like I've seen, I've been, like I've worked with, you know, Hyperion, Adaptive, um, Planful, and I've had exposure to TM1, which are very much, FPNA kind of tools. Like they have, they potentially could do other things, but they really wouldn't do, they, I mean, they can't touch a candle to like, they can't even get close to doing what Anaplan does in um, modeling. But like you, you'll compete against Anaplan versus say adaptive, right? And you're looking at, you're looking at just an FPNA solution. I mean, it, and then when you're just looking at FPNA, sure, you can compare those two. But if you look holistically at the whole organization, like Anaplan is a clear winner because the other ones cannot do those sort of things. But they don't, but then people want to just stay silent. They're like, I don't care. I've told them this. I'm like, if you want to expand outside and grow performance management, 
you can't use these other tools. Anaplan is the way to start. And they just don't want to hear it because they want to be so siloed. And this is my job. It's not cross-functional. It's not strategic. It's just like solve one problem. And it does that well. So Yeah. They're kind of suggesting kind of dynamics of even office politics can creep into these kind of discussions, right? As much as we hate to admit it. Yeah. And I think I think the larger the organization, the harder it is to sell cross-functionally, right? In the connected planning is a little harder to sell, right? Because they're like, you talk to the FP&A guy, they're like, yeah, well, we could start planning in for headcount and like workforce planning and get into sales. And they're like, okay, but they're not going to make that cut. They're not going to talk about it. They don't really, a lot of guys don't really care about the other departments, you know, uh, and get smaller companies are more willing, but it's interesting because Anaplan doesn't have their strategy on the smaller companies a lot more. Uh, they, they, they make it harder, but it seems like they've made improvements there, but smaller businesses is a lot easier to sell the connected planning, at least the vision. Yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's funny that you said it's almost harder to sell Anaplan and that they're willing to pay millions of dollars into the into the warehousing of the data. But then it's, you know, you think, well, what's your investment after that? What are you going to do with it? And you'd think that that, that answer being, you know, Anaplan or, or um, a tool like it, that should be the automatic next step <laughs> if you're putting so much money into that. It like the visualization side. So when you're selling on like Tableau or Power BI, right? Or whatever, the other, the other tiered guys, um, they like, it's so easy to sell that stuff. It's so easy to sell. But then you go and you say Anaplan and then you have to bring in the finance team and all the history that goes there. And it becomes like all of a sudden harder when reality is like it's Anaplan I'm finding when I do Tableau projects they go kind of hand in hand and it would, it would be nice to be able to do both of them simultaneously, right? Because you're like, oh, this use case makes more sense in Tableau because it's more mass produced data, more slicing and dicing. And this makes more sense because it's more goal management and performance management. Um, and so that's kind of how we led more in Anaplan as well. So if you were to say like the theme here then is like Anaplan has that additional component with which maybe some of these other tools don't necessarily have, which is the interaction between people and technology really, you know, comes out as part of these implementations with Anaplan. Exactly. That, you know, they tap into all sorts of, all sorts of um, kind of factors, right? Between people and technology and office dynamics and silos and all this other stuff. Yeah. And the, and the strategy side, right? So, you run into, like, it's funny to me because like doing just like a lot of visualization it is, it's helpful, but the, the end goal is to drive improved management and improved process and strategy. Um, and, and when you're not including performance management and like goal setting and managing against goals, I just, it feels so, that's why I feel like sometimes dashboards don't do what people want it to do. It's because they're not including goal and performance management against a goal, against a target, right? FP&A individuals understand this well because it's like their whole job is budget and forecasts. They're forced to do these goals, which are just dollar goals. But every part of the business needs to do that. They need to have a forecast. They need to have a variance to forecast. And they have variance explaining, explaining why they're not hitting their forecast or goals or targets, whatever you want to call it. You've got to say, I didn't hit my target because not just here's a dashboard. We hit or missed our targets. Everyone's like, 
let's forget about it and not talk about it. It's, it's, it's interesting to come from an FP&A world where you're forced to do that target analysis and you go to the operational world where you just don't have to. <laughs> or, I mean, you talk about it, but it's not the same level of discipline, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So that you're not quantifying your results necessarily in some of these other areas of the organization, right? Whereas FP&A is very heavy numbers focused. Yeah. And you're not really, you quantify it in your dashboards, right? You see, you see your rates or your running rate, but you don't say, what was our goal? Um, how, how far off we are from our goal and why are we missing it? It's almost like a mindset, right? It's a mindset kind of shift. Yeah. And I think the more we can get more cross-functional I mean, business-wise, the strategic, like at a technology and strategy, the more you can, you can start seeing those benefits. Yeah. Well, certainly, I think uh, it's an interesting problem to think about, <laughs> which I think you're attempting to, you're even grappling with, you know, definitely, uh, definitely interesting to follow where, where your kind of path takes you there. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, going to EPM strongly for the last five years and then kind of going back a little bit to more data before I understood it, EPM um, and kind of bridging those worlds a little bit. It's interesting to think of there's just so many solutions in Anaplan that aren't being done. Like we talk about use cases. Obviously, there's the main ones, right? FP&A, sales planning, um, all the sales, different sales commission planning, right? Those things. But there's so many other things you can do. I was, I, I, I was like doing some master data management. I'm like, this would be so much better to be done in Anaplan. But, you know, no one's doing master data management there. Yeah, I was going to, I guess my follow-up question was going to be, what are some use cases you think, or some potential use cases that aren't being really taken advantage of in Anaplan right now, and what and why Anaplan kind of offers maybe a better solution than some of, some of its competitors in those areas? I'll, I'll tell you at least uh, one use case, uh, the, the master data management, right? Which, you know, there's tools for master data management. Um, and part of that is saying, okay, if my systems have discrepancies uh, on, you know, user lists or staff lists, how do we manage those discrepancies? Um, a lot of times that you do it through like coding and then like there's still like ones that are off. And so you, you've, you have tools that you kind of can try to uh, map them, right? Well, in plan, you can just do that. You can do like a formula that just maps and then you have an exception report and you can just go through an accept you could do the same thing right and just map it for the exceptions and you'd get the same result and it would work function really well the other thing I, i've been thinking about a lot is uh, data integration with anaplan i mean some people have done well with that there is so much opportunity to improve that area it's it makes me laugh coming from planful which i feel like they had a better strategy to deal with integration where i think in plan with Anaplan, I feel like people kind of just like don't build a strategy. They rely on the clients to do it. But there's like some really cool ideas I have in, for data data integration improvement um, that I'm pr probably going to implement in the next six months to a year. So it's going to be fun. Well, as someone who's doing data transformation, can you kind of speak to some of your, you know, have you kind of tapped into the data integration on your, your projects? How, how are you seeing that? come to fruition on, on kind of this new endeavor. Yeah, so um, when you're dealing with data warehousing, one thing you run into is like 
the heart, a lot of, a lot of what data warehousing is data integration, right? Like, uh, you're, you're getting lots and lots of different sources of data and you're pulling it into a database, right? And so like, that's the big part of it. And then the second part of data warehousing is after you've integrated all the data, then you have to transform them into dimensional models, right? For improved performance. And th those dimensional models is exactly how we usually like to see the data in Anaplan anyway, because Anaplan is multidimensional. Um, so yeah, so we do, I do a ton of uh, data, tons of data transformation right now and data integration. Um, and so when you have that level of data integration, you have to have, have a good data strategy and data engineering strategy. Yeah. As far as like your past experiences go, like what do you think um, were some of the pitfalls, I guess, of, of not having data integration as part of your strategy? Or like what are some opportunities there? I mean, I feel like with most businesses, I mean, it depends on the size of business, right? And then it gets siloed out a lot. Uh, you, you end up, like data integration is kind of fragmented in a lot of businesses, especially the medium-sized businesses, right? Because they get to a point where they want to integrate data and then IT is doing one thing and then another group's doing another thing. And then like finance comes in, they want like their specific tool because the IT team takes too long to do it, right? That's kind of like your typical, like, why there's a challenge is, oh, this takes too long for them to do it. So I'm going to buy uh, a tool, EP, ETL tool. It's a little bit faster to, to just start, right? And you don't have to know as much about it. But that's not a real strategy, right? We talk about connected planning for Anaplan where you're trying to combine, you know, cross-function across the organization so we have a better strategy. But in data integration, you have the same problem, right? IT owns it, but then... You need a huge project plan and get all these people involved. And so people don't want to do that. So they go buy OneCloud or Boomi, right? Um, and then it's disconnected again, which is not necessarily a problem, but like ideally you'd have a strategy and a group for data, uh, data engineering. And to, in my opinion, my opinion has changed over years. My current opinion is like, ideally you do it in, pro, in a programming language, but not... Not like, oh, here's my Python script and I'd run a cron drop job on it because that you can't manage dependencies. You can't manage timing very well because you're like timing all these little cron jobs and what this one lags and then and this one starts before this one's completed. Then you have problems with dependency. So using a tool like Airflow or Kafka, all these other tools that, that help uh, with the scripting, but using a script, I, I, I am a big believer in that because you can automate so much faster and easier than like dragging and dropping little connectors that aren't as flexible. What do you think about the maintenance of that? Though? Like from a custom script perspective, is that something then that you would want to hand off to the customer? Do they have a resource on hand that is dedicated to that? Like how would you, how would you advise a client if they're kind of grappling with that? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think that I would have, I mean, there's never one size fits all, right? So I would say, you know, when you got, when you're dealing with um, companies that don't have a good data engineering kind of team, right? They don't have a process. It's just the IT department, like, and there's, it's vague. And there's like one guy, or it's like the, the programmers that are working on the software of the company also get pulled into doing data integration scripts. Like if it's, if it's not like a group or a defined roles, and you want, and I want to advise them on how to do it. I would 
say like there's you got to create a team or you're going to want to use something like one cloud or Boomi, right? Because there's no you can't you're not going to be able to have a good maintenance of code because who's going to do that? Like you don't want your software engineers that are focused on product to be doing that. That's not a good use of their time, and, and it's and it's confusing to switch back and forth. It's a different paradigm uh, completely. But if they had a strat, if they don't have a strategy, you want to build a strategy. I would recommend them uh, to build a strategy. I'm currently, uh, you know, Python's always a great language because it's used in so many ways. You can use it for, you know, AI and machine learning and all data science stuff. And the Airflow works great for that, right? Uh, you can spin up a free Airflow server and. And then you can run scripts super easy and super fast. So in a perfect world, every customer has a custom solution tailored towards them. But in the absence of that, I mean, if we were looking in a vacuum, um, but in the absence of that, you know, Boomi or some of these other integration tools aren't the worst alternative either. Like, they'll get the job done. Exactly. Yeah, no, I agree. I would say that those are the kind of the two, the two different recommendations I'd have. Or, you know, managed services where you outsource. Yeah. So um, we, I do the implementation. We spin up a Airflow server on AWS and we write the scripts. You need a new integration, write another script. They're not, once you get an Airflow server, it's pretty easy. So, but it is advanced in comparison to Boomi. So, like, if you want to simple, uh, solves a problem now. And you can run, I've seen teams run completely on Boomi, right? Their whole, I've seen huge organizations run all Boomi. I mean, it gets expensive, but that's what they do. And it works just fine. Um, it just depends. But if it were me and my company, I would, I would, uh, I'd build it around Python. Yeah. Well, you and me both. You and me both. We'll have to, we'll have to talk a little bit offline about some of those, some of those ideas you got. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, obviously it can go many different directions, but that's kind of my current opinion, but my opinion has changed over the last five years. So. Yeah. I, I, I'd love to kind of talk more about, about not your business specifically, but just kind of around what you're doing currently. And one of the things that, you know, we were discussing and would love to know more about is what, what does the process kind of entail for, for an individual, like on a planning level to tackle an end to end data transformation project because we're all part of teams that do this whole end-to-end -end, uh, implementation, but there's, you know, five, six other people that are handling totally different tasks, uh, and we're mostly siloed in the Anaplan uh, aspect of it. So I'd love to know uh, on that individual level what it takes. Yeah, on an individual level, I think that's a challenge. I mean, it's it requires really unique, like, history. Um not that it can't be done, right? It's it's a lot like data warehousing. It has a similar mentality to Anaplan, right? Like some of that data, what do we, uh, data hub mentality, right? It's a little different, and you want to know those nuances. And it's it's all that, uh, and with the data integration, so getting more technical with your data integration side. Um, but I think typically that's not going to be your best approach is to say, okay, one guy does it all, right? Especially when you deal with bigger projects. Um, I mean, the ideal solution is you have just a centralized strategy, right? So you have a data transformation and data engineering strategy at the 
business owns and you can help them own it. And then you, you know, then you use different groups to do different parts of it. But in the end, Anaplan is part of, the, of a bigger strategy, not just a solution to one problem. Yeah, I, I, I think that having from the data trans or from the data integration standpoint, uh, I can see how it could certainly be beneficial. I know that from from what I've experienced, there there can be some disconnect there from you know the data to the Anaplan side, um, and not ha- quite having that that connection there or there's or you have a data integration team that's not even really aware and they're just sending things over to Anaplan and then you're dealing from with it from there um, so having that kind of natural connection of you you know going step to step I could see that being a huge um, you know a huge upside there yeah and I think a good data warehouse is kind of really to be honest like the foundation of good data of a good data strategy is just a good strategy for a data warehouse and not not a point solution data mart, right? Like a lot of people say data warehouse, they think of, I'm gonna take some data, stick it here for this single use case or the single group. That's not a data warehouse, that's data mart or whatever term you wanna use. Um, but an enterprise level data warehouse where you are taking all your systems and you're defining the process for each of those systems and you're creating a business dimensions, right? So you, you're conforming all your dimensions and you can have 10, 20, 30 dimensions of your business. And then you're just deciding, you know, and then you're just organizing all your data with dimensions in mind. So you have your dimensions and your facts and you're building your data warehouse that way. Data warehouse is not just a dump, right? Which a lot of data, data warehouses are that. You take your data, you dump it there and that's a data warehouse, and that's not what data warehouse necessarily should be today, right? And it's changing still. It's changed over the years. Like there's a lot of movement in that space, but um, there's definitely data warehousing as a dimensional model is uh, very popular still today. Awesome. Um, so Matt, I'd love to open up the floor for you at the end here. Is If there's anything you'd like to add, um, any big plans for your organization here in the near future? No, I mean, I, I think, I think, um, I was, t- I was on a call the, the, a couple weeks ago and it was just a few industry guys and a plan specific. And I think the challenge that one of the biggest challenges uh, of the and a plan space is really uh, resources like people. <laughs> um, there's so much potential work that w- and there's so much work today that even the potential work that could happen is not even being addressed, right? And we're, cause we're still just trying to deal with the existing use cases. And so me, my, 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 uh, I'm just so busy with projects. Like I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure how, uh, what's, what's going to happen next, but yeah, it's like, there's just so much to do. I'll have to see how the next year, I think next year's going to be exciting. See what happens. Yeah, you got to tackle what's in front of you before you can get to what's next, right? So that's that can be a challenge, but more work is better than less. So I'm glad to hear that things are going great for you. Well, awesome. We appreciate having you on, Matt. Uh, anything you guys want to add? I would just say, uh, I mean, the conversation here clearly just highlights how exciting of a space this is to be part of. So, you know, Matt, we're grateful you're part of it too. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I it was a fun conversation. I think got me thinking about 
a lot of things I hadn't thought about uh, specifically. So it was really good. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Best Practice Podcast. We hope you have gained a few valuable insights from our guests and hosts during this episode. If you would like to hear more best practices, be sure to subscribe and follow along so you can catch every episode as we release them to the community on a weekly basis. 